For decades, America has struggled to combat the harms of drug use, but the harms have increased and the fight is endless because we've been wrong. What if we changed our drug policies to actually decrease the harms of drug use and increase thriving for all of us? Our criminal approach to drugs had a beginning and it will have an end. Join us on the journey to end it for good. Welcome to the End It For Good podcast. I'm Christina Dent, your host, along with Mike Madison, my co-host and producer. Last week, we talked about the process people go through to change their minds um, from contempt to curiosity to commitment, especially on an emotionally charged topic like how we handle drugs. So this week, we're going to continue that theme, and we're going to zoom in on what's happened with End It For Good over the last six months and how you can be part of the work that we're doing, whether whether you are in Mississippi or not. So in January of this year, 2019, um, I got an email out of the blue uh, from a guy who had heard me do a presentation um, in December for how I changed my mind about the war on drugs. That's the first time. So I've been doing book discussions for two years now here um, and doing some other speaking things, but I had never actually presented the case from the ground up. I had always been presenting to groups that had been introduced to the idea through the book, uh, Chasing the Scream, or something like that. So a group invited me to come in December, and they said, come and present the case for us. We haven't read the book, um, but it's a group of community leaders in Jackson, where I live, and come and and talk to us about it. So I built this PowerPoint presentation just off of what made sense to me, how how I changed my mind, the things that changed my mind about it, um, and presented it to that group. So in January, one of the people who had been there that day emailed me and said, hey, I actually know the person who... Um, is the, a speaker curator for the TEDx Jackson conference that's coming in February. And I heard the presentation. I think it would be a great fit for um, the TEDx conference because their theme was the next 200 years. So what yeah. are the ideas, what are the big ideas that are going to move Mississippi forward in the next 200 years? Um, so that ended up turning into six weeks of whirlwind presentation mm-hmm. and having the opportunity to give a TED Talk, which was unbelievable i was so honored yeah um, that's neat to be able to do that um and so that that ted talk was changing my mind about the war on drugs um and had lots of people that helped me with that it's actually a great example of what i want to talk about today of how this movement moves by other people being involved in it so that ted talk happened because about 75 people were part of the process of connecting me to the opportunity. I had a bunch of different groups that allowed me to come and practice for them. Then they gave feedback. I would go and tweak the PowerPoint on it. People that connected me to an amazing PowerPoint um, uh, guy that builds presentations and was able to help me narrow a 30-minute presentation down into the 18-minute presentation it needed to be for TED Talk. You're trying to bring people in 18 minutes, the whole case for ending the war on drugs is not easy to do. So right. yeah. <laughs> he's a great uh, business strategist. Um, people who kept my kids so I could go practice. I homeschool my older kids. My youngest is not in, of school age already. Um, so I homeschool and run this nonprofit. And so my schedule is trickier to manage sometimes because of that. Um, but that's what we want to do right now. Um, so there were so many people that were involved in this happening. So people might see on YouTube me doing a TED Talk, and I want them to realize I might be the face of that TED Talk. It came about because 75 other people made it part of their life, most of them volunteering, 
to make that happen because they believed in the content and in getting that out there to more people. And that's how this movement spreads here. Everything that Ended for Good has been done this way. Everything we've done has been done this way, and that's how it has grown. So I hosted the first book discussion with 12 people that I knew, and then I hosted another one. Some of them invited their friends, and then another one. And then we went to Hattiesburg. It was only because people in Hattiesburg made that part of what they wanted to do. They invited all their friends. And we went to Oxford. Uh, Then we went to Greenwood. These are only happening because people are volunteering, saying, I want to bring this to my community, and I'm going to put some of my time into uh, bringing this conversation there. Um, And that's how that happens. It is growing because there is a groundswell of community and local support from people who are willing to be part of it, and they feel passionate about it, even though people might see me as the face of it. Uh, It is not me out there doing all of this stuff. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm speaking to a Rotary Club because somebody in that Rotary Club said, hey, I heard this presentation. I want my club to hear this presentation. Yeah. And that's how it happens. Those kind of trust connections are how um, the movement grows. I imagine if I'm just, you know, emailing a Rotary Club saying, hey, I would love to come and present about legalizing all drugs. They would probably yeah, be like, right. What? Yeah. Like, I don't who wrong. are you? Right. And you know, but he, but him saying, "Hey, I saw this presentation, and it's worth us hearing." Um, and so I was able to go and do the presentation to you know a whole bunch of people in Rotary, which was uh, amazing, and getting their feedback from that, and having the chance to have that conversation with them. So over the last couple of months, End It for Good has actually become a nonprofit in uh, Mississippi. And we're working on our federal 501c3 um, status, although we are actually um, have a fiscal sponsor who is allowing us um, to come under their uh, C3 status. So we actually operate as a C3 organization, even while we're working on our, um, our own uh, status. Uh, our website is live now, enditforgood.com. Our Facebook page, generally we have new content that's up there every day, and that will continue to... Um, to evolve as we begin now. The next thing for that is creating our own memes and things like that so that people have shareable content. Um, so much of the shareable content that's out there is from organizations that maybe are promoting also other agendas that people, particularly conservative people, cannot get on board with. And so we want to provide content, shareable content for people um, that they feel like encapsulates the ideals that they want, not celebrating drug use, Um, but things that they can share to say, this is something I'm thinking about, something I think we need to, you know, be considering little bits of facts here and there, uh, but from a source that I can get on board with and feel comfortable um, sharing from. Right. So we've now had 10 book discussions all over um, the state, and we've had 230 people that have come to in-person book discussions. We've had over a thousand people in Mississippi get copies of the book from End It for Good of Chasing the Scream. That yeah, I was going to ask you how many copies of that book yeah, you sent out. It's been over a thousand. Holy cow. Yeah, a, a lot. Of no wonder Johan Hari likes you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, his best, uh, <laughs> you're his best promoter out there. Uh, so we're going to start doing... Um, uh, one thing that I've been thinking through is how to how to invite more people who aren't going to read a book, which is a lot of people, probably a vast majority of people who aren't going to read a book. Isn't Hari doing a movie? Um, there is. There's work on, I think, a uh, documentary style yeah. movie maybe about um, Chasing the Scream. I don't know where that's at, if it's actually being produced or if it's just being in the, the thought stage or whatnot. But hopefully that will come out um, at some point. I think it'll be one more piece of you know, good content to help people be thinking about these issues. 
Um, so what we're going to do at End of For Good um, in the fall and continuing is uh, begin to do um, opportunities for people to come who haven't read the book. They may not have any exposure at all. They can just come, small groups of about 20 people. I'll do the presentation, basically the same one, a little bit expanded version of what I did for the TED Talk, um, presenting uh, these ideas, have some discussion, and then they can take a book with them. We'll have them there um, at the gatherings, and if they want to learn more, they can. And then we're going to shift our other kinds of gatherings into deeper dives into particular aspects. So people that have come to the book discussions keep asking when are you going to do the next thing for us? So I've, I, I know yeah. the general big picture. Right. Now I want to know, what about Colorado and traffic deaths? What about um, you know s- overdose prevention sites? What about syringe exchange? I don't understand any of those things. Uh, how can we dive deeper into that to actually better understand uh, all of the other parts that are affected by this? So um, we're going to start doing those. We now have had enough people that have come to and heard the initial uh, ideas that want to go deeper and and keep pushing into answering their own questions because once you start once you open the door to considering whether or not you want to change your mind about this I can assure you you will have tons of questions and when those questions are answered you will then come up with more questions that you've never thought about before I mean that that's how I felt it was this constant stream of asking more questions and then as those doors got closed because what we're really doing is building a new framework so I have lived most of my life out of one framework for understanding drugs you think about if you dismantle that framework I need to build a new one because we still have drugs and we still need to understand how to handle them. So if I'm going to build a new framework for thinking about drugs, that's now I've got to one piece at a time put together this new framework. And that takes time and it takes lots of questions and lots of time to think about those things. You can't you can't fire hydrant somebody into changing their mind in 30 minutes. They need to have time to do that. People also need to know, you know, if, if people kind of begin to change their mind for them to change other people's minds they're going to get some pushback and they're going to get some questions right. and they need to you know you get a lot of questions about that yeah yeah you know, I, I hear because there's also so much misinformation out there right um i'm sure on all sides well i heard in colorado the kids are just all smoking weed we're not you know that right. kind of thing and you have to kind of be prepared to to talk back against those things right right know, so. so we want to keep giving people opportunities to to answer those questions, to bring the questions they're getting or the questions that they have, and for us to then say, okay, here, here's research on that. Here's what's out there on that. These are the things that are true. These are the things that are not true. Um, and kind of continue to build this new framework because yeah. it's a complex issue and it touches a lot of parts of life. So uh, we're in, in it for good is in it for the long haul of helping people walk down that journey Um we're not just saying, look, we're going to give you one chance. If 30 minutes doesn't convince you, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. There's no, <laughs> right. no hope for you. No, we're yeah. saying we, what we hope for the 30 minutes of you hearing an initial presentation is that it, it sparks an interest to learn more. And we anticipate that if you have supported drug prohibition your whole life, it's probably it might take you one or two years of asking questions, even if you're consistently thinking about it, for you to really address all the concerns that you have. That's what we're here for. We want to be here for that journey. I've always liked the uh, the idea of, you know, the, you can split apart a huge rock, a big, solid mass of rock. If there's one little crack in the top and a little bit of water gets in and one night it goes below freezing and that crack gets just a tiny bit bigger and then the next day, 
you know, a couple more drops of water get in there because the crack is bigger and then it freezes and then that crack opens up just a little bit more. I mean, ultimately, giant boulders can be broken apart. Mm-hmm. It's just it's drip by drip by drip. But it eventually is. it gets there. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And uh, I think people feel like, oh, it's just too big. It's just too big. Well, the boulder was big. Right. But little by little, yep. one little chip at a time, that boulder uh, we don't have to change every single last person's mind. This is one great uh, point that um, Adam Hams makes in that book uh, that we talked about last week. As he says, you know what? I finally realized I don't have to change my family's minds. Like the priority with my family is a relationship. So I'm not a failure if I don't change everybody's minds that I come into contact with. Most of all, my family. Right. Let's let that be the family relationship, and let's just let's let's find the people that are willing to take the first step. Uh, into that, which was actually really helpful for me because I, I did have that kind of feeling of like, if I haven't convinced all of my family, what kind of an ambassador am I for this? Well, you know, that's a very <laughs> that's, interesting you know. phenomenon that you can almost have less credibility with your family sometimes because they know, you know, they've seen you run around with no pants on. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. there's a familiarity to that I, I run into people all the time who are very successful in different areas of their life. And they'll say, well, my my parents don't. You know, they can't convince their parents of something. My father does not hold the same political beliefs I do. And I study this stuff relentlessly. I think, why would my father understand and love his son enough to know I've done my homework? Well, no, my father has you know, changed a diaper on me before. You know what I mean? So the family sometimes, you really have to get over that hurdle of thinking that if you can't convince your family, you must be terrible at it. Because I think sometimes family, it's easy for them to dismiss you. They love you and you'll talk about something else in a few minutes anyway. Uh, Family is very, very odd. Yeah. Yeah. And the most important thing with family is to preserve your relationship, not to be right on some random issue uh, or even a big issue. But we don't have to agree on the issue for us to have a good family relationship. And uh, and that was was really helpful for me to to think about. So all the things that Into for Good is doing uh, on Facebook or on our Web page or through the podcast or through these individual gatherings, through speaking things that I do, all of them are meant to help people take the initial step and to continue on. Uh, down that journey. So people can be involved in that through helping us find those places, helping us find the places we can come and speak uh, and do a presentation, help us find another part of the state that we can go do a book discussion in, um, help us uh, network with national people. So all the a lot of the guests that we have on the show are not people that I knew. They're people I've been introduced to by other people. Um, so, you know, we, we have uh, one law enforcement person on here and they Say, well, you know, here's another person that you that could talk to you about this particular issue or uh, this person at this organization really knows a lot about diversion programs, which we're going to do a program on, you know, uh, in a couple of weeks. So there's lots of ways that people can use. They, they don't need to do something crazy that they've never done before. They can just look around and say, who do I know and what avenues do I have access to? Could that be of use here? And if it could send me an email. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you can always email me, Christina at enditforgood.com. Um, another thing that you can do, so connecting us to, to opportunities uh, to become part of something in your community is part of that. Um, another thing you can do is sharing your story. So uh, it's such, you know, the, the podcasts that are um, most stick in people's minds are the ones where people are able to share stories. So we can share stories or they share their own stories. We're built for story and we love to hear 
the narrative of other people's lives. So if you're willing to share your story um, of any any part of this, and it actually, the stories of how people have changed their minds on the drug issue are just as impactful as people who maybe have been through addiction or have been through right. incarceration, because there's a lot of people listening who haven't been through addiction or incarceration. And for them, maybe the most compelling story is somebody like them who comes on the show and says, this is the process of me that I've gone through of changing my own mind and the things that I found compelling about that. We want to hear about that, too. Sometimes the stories that we hear and get from people are the ones that we end up making a show out of. And we end up having them on as guests um, instead of just doing, you know, maybe a snippet about that. Um, So it it can be really tempting to circle the wagons, um, you know, and this is so you see this all the time in movements, especially movements that have a justice component on them, that it can feel like what we talked about before, like you just kind of circle the wagons and start lobbing grenades. Um, And somehow that that can feel righteous, too. It can feel like we're really planting our flag in the ground. Um, And we always want to encourage people If you want the movement of ending drug prohibition, specifically the movement that ended for good, our angle on that movement to to go forth, the whole way that we do that is by inviting more people. We don't circle the wagons. We keep a hand out and we say the door is always open. No matter how much you think we're crazy, you're always welcome to come to a discussion. No matter how much you're angry about what we're out there doing, let's have a cup of coffee and talk about it. We're always going to open that door um, for you. Well, preaching to the choir is always attractive because you can always right. go into friendly audiences yeah. and they'll tell you how smart you are. And, you know, so preaching to the choir is is common for a reason, yeah. but it doesn't do you any good. Right. You, you know, you've got to go out there and expand. Yeah. And I feel that I feel that pressure in my own work because the thought of, oh, do I want to go? Do I want to really put the work in to try to get into a group that does not have knowledge or does not agree with this at all, or I could go talk to this group that's going to be a really easy sell because they're already already kind of on board and there will be a rah-rah, you know? So my my human instinct is to go, yes, the rah-rah sounds like a good idea. And I'm always trying to push against that because if if we congregate 2,000 people in Mississippi who will all say rah-rah and well, that doesn't change Mississippi. Have you done uh, a hostile audience yet? Have you done anything where you got peppered with some really harsh questions that people really push back? Have you done a, a, a what well, you know a, a law enforcement uh, organization or anything like that? Or, or? Um, no, I th- people have asked. People have have said, you know, I I totally disagree. I think this is you know totally wrong. Um, th- they have always been respectful in that, even if we have uh, disagreed about it. Um, and often I'm talking to self-selected audiences. If they're coming to an event that End It For Good does, they've, they've chosen to be right. there and, you know, yeah. participate in that. Um, and even in speaking engagements, I speak where someone who is a trusted person in that group is willing to lend me their trust in coming in. So, um, Have you I, done a debate yet? No, but I would be so interested that in would that. Be the, that, that would be, be very interesting. I think you'd do really, really well in a debate. You would be uh, the, the people against... Um, ending prohibition would would have I believe they'd have a difficult time with you because I it's, would love to hear whatever they said. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a lot of people can be put into that pigeonhole of somebody who is trying to promote drug use, which is not popular with yeah. you know with not it's just not popular for for good reason. Right, we shouldn't right, be promoting absolutely. drug use. Yeah, they would have a very difficult time framing you in that. Yeah, thing. that would be an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so that kind of the way that I approach speaking engagements through 
through needing someone with a trust factor to lend me their trust, to be the one to introduce me to say, I heard this presentation, I thought it was really interesting. Um, it, it provides some credibility with that group to say, we may not agree with her, but at least we somebody that we do trust is saying she's not crazy. Right. Like she's not yeah, just exactly. a crazy person in general that we can immediately right. just go, oh my gosh, how did she ever get in here You know, to give this presentation? So Stephen Covey, is, uh, who is the author of many wonderful books, says change happens at the speed of trust. I think that is add that could be the banner for changing our drug policy. We have to be willing to lend the trust that other people have in us to the cause of this movement for it to um, for it to gain traction. And one of my favorite um, quotes and a quote that I have in the office of um, End It For Good Here is from Margaret Mead. She said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. So how do we end our criminal approach to drugs? By changing one mind at a time. Many people are only willing to have this conversation when they are invited to by someone they trust. That's you. Invite your friends, family, and people in your circle of influence to consider a better way. At End It For Good, our hope is that people who hear will become people who tell. Join the movement to end it for good.